just became a raven. Your art matters. It's what got me here. Hello and welcome to the Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast. I'm Simon and I love One Tree Hill. And I'm Dom and I've seen 104 episodes of One Tree Hill. And tonight's episode for debate is season 5, episode 16, Crying Won't Help You Now. I'm Drew Barrymore, and you're listening to The Ravens Podcast with Simon and Dom. So hello and welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast, where it is always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in, as tonight's episode for debate is Season 5, Episode 16, Crying Won't Help You Now. Dom, we are here. What the... Oh, Simon. <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Very good. Did you just, did you watch the World Cup final? I did. I just watched it. I was at my parents' house. I go for like Sunday dinner, Sunday lunch. And um, it was started, kicked off at three our time. So I watched it and I was very surprised by how long it went on for. It was uh, an unbelievable final. Really good game. What about you? Did you get so a chance good. to watch it yeah we went to the pub for uh for a roast because we're british little roast little beer little this little that world cup final kestrel um bosh (laughs) yeah uh but then we came home after and the game was still going on after before it was finished i thought We'd left the pub and it was like 2-0 Argentina. And then we came back and uh, it was like, oh, it's 2 all, And it was like, best watch the final couple minutes. And then, as you know, extra time, penalties, crazy. I was kind of rooting for Argentina just because I thought it'd be cool for Messi to win it as his last one. Did you have a horse in the, way, in, in the race? Well, right at the beginning of the World Cup, or even before it started, um, I'd predicted that France would win. Um, and even like literally predicted every game after the group stages, what they would be and how they would all shape out and turn out. Um, so I actually had uh, Germany France final as my prediction, and Germany didn't even get out of the group stages. So um, I was half right, and then sadly uh, they lost. But it's good to see that they won for messy reasons, I guess. But he's a bit of a spoiled brat at the same time. So I also didn't really care. <laughs> Yeah, it was an entertaining game of football. Very good game of football there. Yeah, worth the watch. Historic as well, I suppose. For sure. And then on to some One Tree Hill related things. So people may, well, people would have seen on the feed. I don't know if you have seen on the feed, but Lex and I were due to do an interview. <laughs> shaking his head. I don't, look, I don't look at the feed. That's what I'm shaking my head what? about. Not Lex and you. Okay, well, Lex and I... So, Matt Sullivan, who's the set director for One Tree Hill, who I spoke to about a year ago or earlier on this year, and uh, it was all things that he... The seasons that he did were seasons three to nine, and uh, so at that point, maybe we were in the end of season three. So it wasn't really 
there was only it would have been a small part of the conversation that you could have been in um so i did that one as a solo one and then he was going to come back so lex and i could talk to him about dawson's creek specifically uh, and then very last minute lex couldn't be there so i ended up talking to him about dawson's creek and it was really interesting obviously for dawson creek dawson's creek fans uh i think people would enjoy that one so that one's on the feed and then dom and i are hoping potentially we've got a little nod or a little a little in with a very established movie director who's directed some 90s classics like staples of dom and i's childhood so we're really hoping it is sounding very possible that we're hopefully going to have an in, get an interview or have a podcast conversation with this guy. But I'm not going to say what the films are, who it is, just in case it doesn't happen. But <laughs> that would be really exciting. Obviously, Dom, you obviously know. And that'd be super exciting, right, if that comes about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of those films I used to watch all the time when I was a kid. The, you know, one of the, the three that you sent me earlier in the list. The one, the one that begins with B. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch that a lot. It's a, it's a great film. So, and yes. lots of lots of big names in it as well. Mm-hmm. For the you know big names now, I guess at the time maybe they weren't so big, but yeah, definitely big now. So yeah, excited to at that prospect, the opportunity that'd be amazing. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere like that. This was the first time that someone had just reached out and was just like, so one of our friends that has a youtube channel and does some interviews and things and it's all based around toys and toy collecting just did an interview with this guy and then he reached out and said oh do you want me to see if he would come onto your podcast um because it's the same sort of content the same sort of thing that you would want to talk to him about so yes yes please (laughs) absolutely like (laughs) like, no pressure but yes that would be awesome so the the director is promoting a book at the moment um that's about uh like movie props and things like mm-hmm. and prop collecting and stuff so it's like well yes we want to talk about that and some of the one of the movies in particular is got that kind of lineage to it it came out and there was a toy line that came with it um the christmas themed one people must be so annoyed i'd be so frustrated if i was listening to this like to not know what these things are if it doesn't pull off in the next episode we'll say what it was and who it was regardless almost just don't want to jinx it or should we just say it's up to you man i don't mind either way i think i think it'd be good for people to know yeah fuck it i think they say so it's uh brian levant who was the director of Jingle All The Way, Beethoven, and Flintstones. You talk now, Dom, while I Google and check that I said that his name correctly. Yeah, I, I think it would be amazing yes. if we can get him on and talk about that. Uh, all of those films, because, you know, some of the actors he's had the opportunity to work with are huge. Uh, and I don't just mean John Goodman. And yeah. yeah, it's just it'll be Rick re- Moranis, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, just all of them. Halle Berry, was she? Oh in, my god, she in the first one? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, it's that was the catalyst of my puberty. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember being there. I remember you telling me. <laughs> I remember. I that was Pandora's box opens. It doesn't close, my friend. Um, 
<laughs> he also he also directed uh, the Spy Next Door with Jackie Chan, which I haven't seen. But I mean, again, you know, he worked with Jackie Chan. Uh, are we there yet with Ice Cube? And then the one that I said to you the other day um, when we did our Christmas watch along was Snow Dogs with Paul Walker from 2002 i haven't seen it but it has randolph in it from free willy and oh. i saw it like when i was flicking through it's either on netflix or disney i think it's disney you know you uh when you're flicking through things you get like the still image and there was randolph sitting next to paul walker and i was like how have i not seen this <laughs> he directed that so if, if we get to speak to him we definitely have to watch that to talk to him about that should we he did both in should we get his book and read the book so that we're like prepared for like proper like interviews are like so um we're just looking you know we had a look at your book in chapter 15 you mentioned this if there's that many chapters um yeah that's really interesting can you tell us a bit more about that and that kind of thing yeah yeah so, we're going all out now i think to be fair besides the audio quality which you know as dom as you reminded me the other day you believe that i'm the only person that actually cares about the quality of the audio pretty certain you're the only one that gives a shit <laughs> yeah well the uh besides the audio quality of of them of the earlier interviews that we did when we were gen- doing in movie interviews for the mighty 90s i think they were all really good like as in forgot maybe like the content was good for you and i as in this the stuff that we wanted to hear but i think that and I, I mean this like and hopefully you would agree i think that every person we spoke to enjoyed the conversation Nobody felt pressured. I think they all felt relaxed. And I think we um, just had generally good conversations. Mm. Like regardless of whether they were good interviews or not, that it felt like just a good conversation. Is, yeah. is that how you feel? Oh, yeah, definitely. There were, there were good conversations and they like really good content, but they were genuinely nice people as well. And we had others kind of lined up. So like I had a Power Ranger lined up. Um, for a little while, but that, that <laughs> yeah. then sort of didn't work out because um, I think they just stopped replying. Like they'd see the message and then not reply. Um, I think at the time it was like the height of um, COVID. Kind of, no, it was like height of like cons and stuff. Oh, uh, right. So, so there was COVID, but then they were heading into like doing cons and things. So they kind of dropped podcasts and stuff that they were doing because they were getting paid money to, you know, go and have, do appearances at, you know, comic con and stuff so um yeah but maybe i'll pick that one up again because we love the power rangers movie do you remember oh yeah mm. definitely definitely <laughs> i i had one of the guys from the sand lot as well and that just sort of dropped off of the earth um there's there's a couple that were like oh we thought that we're gonna happen and then didn't happen but yeah, this one would be really good. So let's see what happens. Mm. But before we go any further, Dom, what if I told you we had a little Raven announcement? Really? A little change in the lineup. Ooh, there's an opening in my lineup. What if I told you that there was a player on a team? You know, there's three teams within the Ravens. This is known. It's like a, like an academy at this point. Mm. But what if I told you someone had elevated? Ooh. They've been so good that we've decided, you know what? We're going to give you a shot in the big leagues. Ooh, the big leagues? Like like the top. They've gone... They're going to the top. That's how and good like, they are. Yeah, like I'm talking junior varsity Bush League. 
we appreciate you very much, Junior Vossi, but your Bush League. Bush League. And they've skipped Vossi. They've gone straight past it. Left it in the fucking dust in the rearview mirror. Objects in the rearview mirror may be larger than they appear, but not Vossi. That shit's gone. I can barely <laughs> see it. All the way to Hall of Motherfucking Fame. Talking about Angela. Angela is a is a watch along favorite as well, mm. but Angela, you didn't you didn't want to go to Varsity, no, and you didn't want to go there because you know what Angela, you didn't need to go there, it wasn't no. necessary. Like Simon said, rearview mirror, you can't see it anymore. You made that turn, you've gone round that corner, you're round mm. that bend, you've achieved, you've reached greatness. Do you know why you've reached greatness, Angela? Come a little bit closer. That's it. Simon, you too. Move in a bit. That's it. Nice. I like it. Angela. Angela. (laughs) Oh, Angela. (laughs) You just became a better raven. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... With that being said, should we talk about this episode? We may or may not be having a Raven guest on. It's a roll of the dice at this point. See what happens. But in the meantime, let's talk about this uh, labyrinth roller coaster of an episode. Absolutely. it's. Uh, it felt like everything was going right for pretty much everyone in this episode as well. There was a lot of moments mm-hmm. where pretty much everything went kind of right, except Dan, but don't worry about him. But there's there's just a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of people involved. Everyone's got something going on. It was, yeah, labyrinth is a good word for this, to describe this episode. I am worried about Dan. And maybe I'm the only one. Well, you seem to have genuine concern on your face. But also, you know what's coming. So... (laughs) It's true. Are you concerned? <laughs> well, I try and look at the ep- I try and look at the episodes as if I don't know what's coming next because we speak about them in a vacuum. Like when we're talking about them here, we're not talking about you're talking about what's to come. But myself and the Ravens will not talk about what's to come. So it kind of lives in a in a vacuum. And so I try and look at it that way. I, I just rewatched it the episode and i now every time i rewatch it i like watching our watch along version to see your reactions and things and i was saying it at the end that so so for people that that can't remember dan dan is dying he's got 6 months to live unless he can get a heart tra- a heart transplant and i feel lucas is just being so cold in that well basically like fuck him good riddance couldn't happen to a better guy and i feel like he hasn't taken any consideration that his relationship lucas's relationship to dan is completely different to nathan's relationship to dan dan by all accounts wasn't a good parent or isn't hasn't been a good parent but what he has been is present he has been there for Nathan for every game, baseball game, basketball game, all of the things. He's always been there. And he has always 
love Nathan. He hasn't treated him very well. And yes, he has done an awful thing. Murder. Awful. Family member. Even worse. Your own brother. (laughs) What can you even say? (laughs) But he's done the time. If we're not to believe in rehabilitation, then what is the point of prison and all these other things? I'm not. I'm not excusing these things, but I feel like Lucas is taking it upon himself to lean on Nathan to tell Nathan how he needs to feel. Or actually, I don't know. I I think there's there's that Netflix series. I can't remember what it was called because Netflix comes out with things. They're popular for a week and then they vanish behind the Netflix (laughs) curtain never to be seen again, right? (laughs) So many shows like that. But there was one that was a documentary about... Uh, like serial killers and like each episode is focusing on a different person magda i'm sure knows studies it for tips probably on it somewhere (laughs) we just don't know she that's why she doesn't put her camera on on zoom (laughs) she's just zooming from prison (laughs) or she's never been caught and if she goes camera on then people will find her there we go well (laughs) uh, there was a lot there was a lot uh what was kind of a common trait was these people that have done these, you know, heinous, horrible, horrendous crimes. And a lot of the time, the families forgiving them, even though they've killed like their son, their daughter, their whoever, and the forgiveness being about giving themselves peace and closure otherwise it continues forever Mm. and then actually almost forming a relationship like a friendship or a bond and it's sort of saving that person i don't know it was it's just an interesting thought i can't imagine being in that situation myself and how i would feel but what i can say is it'd be hard for me to not forgive my dad for almost anything because i like i just love him so much like i couldn't imagine what could he... Like, I just feel like, especially if he only had six months left to live, we'd just be like, well, I'm rambling. What are your thoughts, Dom? Where do you sit on this? And don't you dare sit on the fence. No, no, I'm not going to be on the fence. What I am going to say is your relationship with your dad is is like a wonderful thing. You know, it, it, it's, it's a fantastic relationship. You've been very close your entire life. And um, he's been a fantastic dad. But not everyone has that experience so Mm -hmm. um you know lucas definitely didn't have that experience and nathan didn't really have that same experience his dad was actually quite abusive um and it it Mm. was it was an abusive father a manipulative uh i mean and still is and it's just done all these horrible things in his life that's very controlling and very um just quite dark and uh, and fairly evil at points uh, towards his son and really pushed him and pressured him. And yes, sometimes parents like that then create um, kind of geniuses at what they do. You know, if you look at the Williams sisters' father, you know, uh, Richard Williams, and you look at, I think, Tiger Woods' father did the same thing. And there's all these people that have pushed their kids into into doing something and really pushed them, really pushed them, really pushed them, and they've become super successful and like fantastic at what they do um but that also creates this wedge and this drive this um 
this sorry this wedge and this distance between you um and you resent them uh, and it's you, you know it becomes a really difficult kind of fractured relationship and that's what nathan had so it's nathan's not just not forgiving him for killing keith he's not forgiving him for a whole you know series of things unfortunately like the end of the, i say unfortunately but at the end of this episode it looks like nathan's kind of turning and changing his mind and kind of is starting to feel that edge of sympathy but nathan has always had that he's always been fairly sympathetic he always does something stupid realizes it's stupid kind of displays empathy for the person that he's affecting and then fixes it and i think he's kind of going through the motions with dan here so he's you know i think he's genuinely concerned that dan might die in six months and his experience of him and his dad is going to be him telling his dad to fuck off and lucas being like that you can you can accept you can i can accept it i think it's okay because his experience of dan is um just being treated like shit his whole life and being called like a mistake his whole life by dan and treated that way and and keith was his Mm. father figure so um I, i totally appreciate that you would be able to figure forgive your dad because of the closeness you have but understanding other people's relationships i think is the important part here um which is why they might not be able to all right dom all right dom good words good words i see (laughs) i see why you're here i see why you're really paul johansson's favorite i see it (laughs) you wooed him with your with your analysis (laughs) no yeah you're right i mean and it's individual to to each situation i just felt like lucas was trying to influence nathan's decision like he was saying well i think we just say good riddance to him and it's actually what he what i feel like he should have said was for me i'm just like good riddance to him but what you do with him is down to you and i'm not going to judge you for it because that's your relationship you know this is my opinion this is what i feel and how i'm going to handle it ultimately how you handle it is is up to you and i think that would be a, a great way of handling it as well but lucas is too emotional he's far too close to it can't ever really see the wood for the trees you know it doesn't seem to have a um foresight like that like others do um when it particularly when it comes to dan you know um he's not as forward thinking as you would want him to be or hope him to be and he is with other characters, but it's just because he's got this, these continuous issues with that. So he can't accept that anyone would trust him or um, kind of side with him at any point, regardless of his condition and what's going to happen and, and the likelihood of him dying. You know, nobody trusted that he was actually going to die. Uh, I think Nathan was the only one that went, you know, I don't know if he's telling the truth, but it kind of feels real, seems real, you know, um, Haley questioned it immediately. Lucas questioned it immediately. Uh, I'm sure a doctor broke laws to tell Lucas that it was truth. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy, really, isn't it? Um, but you, you, I kind of empathise with Lucas a little bit in that he doesn't want anyone to have anything to do with um, Dan because of the way he was treated, the way his mum was treated, the way Keith was treated, uh, and then ultimately the way Keith was killed. So, yeah. But yes, and I guess, ultimately, you would like him to say, I want nothing to do with him if he's got six months to live and you want to kind of rekindle something out of guilt or, you know, wanting to have a, a relationship with your dad before he dies and giving Jamie a grandfather. Um, 
before he dies, then fine. All right, that's your decision, but I don't want to be involved. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess also the other flip on the example we were just given is that if Lucas, let's say if Lucas had the same, has a similar or same relationship with emotional attachment to Keith that I have with my dad, if someone had killed my dad, I would never be able to forgive them, whoever mm. it is. So it's yeah. like, if you look at it, for it's always, I guess it's always about perspective and how we're looking at these things. But to lighten the mood, what was quite a funny opener is Dan getting his massive overbearing gravestone next to Keith's. That even though he killed his own brother, he's still got to outshow him, outshine him, even in a graveyard. And it said for like a loving husband and father or whatever, and it was just like the father bit maybe, but the husband bit really? You're you're killing yourself there, mate. You're painting yourself as this hero. In your own reality, like nobody else thinks that it's crazy. It was, it was really funny when you see it coming in at the like at the beginning of the episode. It's like even after taking your own your brother's life, you're still trying to like outdo him, you know. And Keith's gravestone is still like burnt, isn't it? It's still like fire damaged, which he yeah, <laughs> which he burnt. I mean, by accident, but yeah. <laughs> Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a massive monument to yourself, at least fix your brother's one up or improve it a bit. Get the dates on it right for a start, because they're still wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, but and you see Dan's influence on Nathan. Nathan is slowly getting back into basketball, into playing, and. Dan's giving him advice and saying, you know, you need to play differently. You have to accept that you're not going to be the same player you once were, but you can be better, different. Like you just got to find different ways, which it doesn't seem like he's taking it in. But then we hear him repeat to Q later, which I thought was good writing, like good. Well, as a good way of threading that needle through in the storyline. Did you did you like it? Yeah, it was it was nice and it was good to see that he's actually taking a bit of wisdom and a bit of knowledge from his dad who in these circumstances does know better. You know, he had a big injury, mm. it took him out of the game and you know, he didn't continue, but he's he's looking at it from that perspective. You know, he's got that experience. I can make you a better player in a different position, you know, and you can really be effective and still you know, achieve what you want to achieve. Um, I think what I keep forgetting is when I look at Nathan is uh, I get two different Nathans. I get Nathan who, when he's kind of coaching Q and doing certain things, I think he's about 33, you know, but actually in, rea- <laughs> yeah. in reality, he's 24, something like that, you know, so he's still 22, very... I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, probably not even that. Yeah. So he's still very young. He's... Yeah, he's about 22, 23. Yeah. So he's still incredibly young, has the opportunity to get fit again and kind of find a new position that he can absolutely dominate. You know, he knows the game kind of better than anyone. So, yeah. And it is nice to see that those that those words of wisdom are working on him because he's imparting that on someone else. And it, it means that, you know, it's working. And that's what makes me think he's going to be convinced to, you know, kind of take Dan on as like a coach for kind of six months to, to build him back up and help him learn a new position and, you know, get him, get him up to speed again. Yeah, well, Dan would be a wonderful basketball coach because 
it is something he really knows about. Did, did you watch last? Have you watched Last Chance You on Netflix? I, I've watched all of them except for there's a new season on there now, isn't there? For the basketball one. Uh, yeah, the the most recent one is a basketball one as well. There was a basketball one before as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, didn't you watch the one before? Yeah, yeah. I've watched them all. Basketball I've watched one. them except for literally the season that's just dropped. Right, right. Well, F and I, so we we only watched the basketball one. Um, we tried to watch the American football one. I don't know. We just didn't vibe with it, so we stopped. But we we're now almost halfway through already the second season we're doing a dom of the basketball one so good like we love it love it and Mm. love the the coaches so good and john mosley is the coach he just screams at everyone why are you talking when i'm talking dude (laughs) it's so good there's one can i spoil a bit this is not like to do with the thing it's just part of the speech he does these big speeches right and uh, can you remember him like shouting at everyone and everything? Yeah. And he's like getting hyped up. Um, and one of his assistant coaches, he's pointing at him in the background and saying, you know, listen, like this guy, he's got real problems, like debilitating problems and saying, you know, but he's here, he's a man. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he should be an alcoholic. He should be a crackhead. He's got crackhead problems, but he's here. Like, what are you doing? It's so good. It's so funny. But that's what, like, Dan would be like, is he'd have, like, that energy as well. Not, like, talking about crackheads and stuff, but in his own way. And um, and also, these kids in Last Chance You that are in college, they're all in that age range between, like, 18 to, like, 22, and then... The hopes are that they get to like a Division One school and get drafted into the NBA. So, excuse me, Nathan is very much still young and still able to, you know, he hasn't even reached his prime yet, so to speak, in basketball. So, yeah. Sorry, just something to edit out. Jay's just messaged me and said she's not going to make it. Okay. Well, so just, just that's okay. Well, we don't need to edit that. We'll just say it. So Jay was going to come on. Unfortunately, she's not going to be able to get it on this episode. So we will ensure that she gets on the next episode or, you know, one before the end of the season because it is important that all of our Hall of Famers get on. They get the airtime. Literally, Michael Jordan airtime in the air and airtime on our podcast. If for some reason you ha- you've missed your go or... Please reach out to us. Dom is the architect behind the schedule. He will ensure you get your time. We want to speak to you. We want to see you. We want to thank you in person for your support. In all seriousness, that was being serious. Please hit up Dom, Instagram, ravenshoops.net, wherever you... How do you reach out to people? Instagram. Yeah, if you can't... If you've got Instagram, do that. If you haven't, then yeah at ravenshoops.net and we'll go from there yeah but also I wanted to take a sincere moment to say it really is surreal that people listen to this and that Dom and I get to do this and we are really grateful and really thankful that people you know give their money in support of it so thank you thank you so much thank you everyone yeah it is just a miracle to us isn't it really we just thought (laughs) we, we thought we'd be talking and We'd be the only listeners forever. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, we've we've got a great group of people that love to listen, and we love them all. We do, and it's it's been therapeutic for me. It really has. Like to talk through things, and uh, you know, our high flyers episodes, and all of these things, but also to have to have social time like so as men as people but it particularly also pertains to men is there's not many opportunities that you have in your like later life where we're at now in your adult life that you just actually sit down and have a conversation without a phone in your hand without tv on without being in like a public venue like literally sat down everything stripped back just a one-on-one conversation Hmm. and though we're putting like movies and tv shows in the middle as the talking points and then talking around around them it's really healthy to have that social outlet and to have just that conversation and to listen to somebody else and to be heard by someone else like i think that means a lot and it's something that you kind of lose as you get older because you don't have recess or playtime you know school and lunch times and things you know so i think it's been it's been a very healthy outlet yeah definitely i i totally agree and it's been nice to to kind of just come on and just talk and just yeah whatever we want to talk about it comes up eventually we work things in don't we and yeah air out our problems yeah (laughs) perfect well speaking of problems so Q has a problem. He's not going to play on the team. He's he's injured. But through the genius of Jamie Scott, Jamie Lucas Scott, he, uh, through playing NBA 2K, I'm guessing it was, on PlayStation or Xbox, even though he just got a Wii for his birthday. <laughs> Straight in the bin. <laughs> Wasn't everybody like that with the Wii, though? Like, yeah, it's fun of the idea of standing up and playing tennis and whatever, but actually I want to just sit down with a controller. <laughs> yeah, I want to kick back and not have to worry about this. <laughs> but f- shooting threes, threes are bigger than twos. So they're going with a new offense, and Q gets to be the point guard and to distribute the ball which was a nice way to bring it back in. And I thought it was also, it was really nice, again, like well-layered writing, I think, that it was actually through Jamie that made Q approach Nathan about wanting to help him with his comeback, but not calling it a comeback. Mm -hmm. And that was because Jamie was saying it upsets him that he knows his dad wants to play and he can't. And... I thought that showed uh, that gave more depth and color to Q's character because it showed that he cared and was trying to do a nice thing. I mean, mm-hmm. has that brought Q up in your rankings? We know that you're not a particular fan of his. I'm mostly not a fan of the acting, but as a character, yes, I think there's there's definite improvement there. Is you know the apology to skills as well um, that was definitely warranted and and sh- probably should have happened a little bit earlier. But um, 
that was that you know there's elements like that that make me start to like a character and think okay they're making a change and they're making a change for the good they want to better themselves and they're not going to be a twat about it or they're you know being slightly less of a dick about it i mean the biggest dickhead in this episode was lucas by miles he's just the worst coach ever he is honestly horrendous but watching q approach things in in like a slightly new way in a different light because you know he's actually taking influence from a five-year-old is is actually quite um quite nice to watch definitely definitely and you're right lucas is not a good coach at all and we've said it before it just doesn't fit his sensibilities the style that he approaches things with he there's no depth into how he doesn't differentiate how he coaches he treats it like it's the military yeah he's just harsh from the beginning to the end like whitey was never a coach like that so i don't really know where he's got it from or, or like how he's ended up being that person because like as like i said whitey was never i'm gonna you know treat you all like dirt you know, up until he is like a drill sergeant, really. He's not. He's not actually coaching them, saying, "Right, this is this is kind of the tactics that we need to run, and this is how I expect you to play." And then when they fuck up, then you like, okay, right, you know, punish one, punish them all. I'm going to punish the whole team, right? Let's you know do laps, or let's do this, or let's do that, you know. Um, but he just seems to be gunning for them, like straight away, like he's looking for problems, and it's it's strange. I I really don't like it. I don't like how they've made Lucas. That, that type of character when he's when he's coaching because he wasn't that type of character as a player really and he's not mm. that he's not that type of character to anyone else if he was like that generally you could understand it but it's like as soon as he puts that whistle around his neck whoa he's a complete knobhead isn't he <laughs> <laughs> yes it, it's like he's doing the the <laughs> All I can hear is Michael Scott saying that's what she said after what I'm about to say. It's like he's doing the hard to soft method, right? <laughs> in the, in that. Um, that's like a common thing in teaching is that you start really stern to set the boundaries. And then as you get to know the students better, you ease up and become soft and then everything's good but they also know not to test you you know so you kind of set the boundaries at the beginning it's like he's done the hard to soft method but he's just gone the hard to hard method just hard just never you know relinquishing and it just doesn't suit him i mean you're that you go in with the you go in with the hard one right and the intention is um to kind of cut out any attitude and stop any bullshit. Mm. And when the attitude happens, that's when you, you know, push it, ramp it up a little bit. But it doesn't ever come back down to a to a decent level of like, okay, players are getting better. I'm starting to understand my team. I'm st- starting to understand them as individuals and really know what they're going through. You know, he treats Q like a piece of shit all the way through, even when he's checking out his injury. You know, shake my hand, hold this, hold the ball for this amount of time. He's not nice about it. You know, skills is the one that turns around and says, if you at any point ever think we don't have your best interests at heart, then that's when we have to have a conversation. But, you know, he's the only one that ever displays that. Lucas doesn't at any point. It's it's really bad. Really bad. I think it's, it's, about- it's written so badly, his, his bit. Do we need to write a strongly worded letter to Principal Turner? Yes. And just lodge, lodge a complaint? Just, just be real. We don't think the coaching 
is at a level that is conducive of a positive, relaxed atmosphere in which an athlete is able to be able to propel themselves to the limits of potentially being drafted into a Division 1, 2 or less college for the future. Perfect. I mean, couldn't have written it better myself. Could you imagine if that's a storyline in the next episode? The disgruntled <laughs> parent. Q's parent. We haven't seen his parents, have we? I just assume he hasn't got any. Just like his Casper. He's just out there on his own, gets books and clothing. And like Casper did have parents. Sorry, yes. <laughs> Can I keep you? <laughs> yeah. Can I keep you? I think Q is just, we're never going to see his parents. That's it. He's just one man fighting machine. Okay. Well, do you think we'll ever see his parents? Oh, I don't know. They might come to a game eventually. Maybe if, if they get to a final or something like that. Or like a okay. playoff game. Okay, they might. okay, okay. Okay. Um, so let's switch it over a little bit. I want to talk about Brooke last. Mm-hmm. Because I want to get the positives out of the way first. <laughs> Let's talk about Peyton just took a flight to New York. Yeah, I mean, even before that, the the when she appears in her, let's say, let's call it pyjamas or her bedwear, and she's yeah. pulling her T-shirt down when she's worn shorter things than that just out in the day. So I'm not sure what she's nervous about. And Lucas has seen everything, so we got nothing. Oh, we got nothing. She's trying to hide her floof, but Lucas has been there. So, like, what are we worried about, Peyton? What are we worried about? Brooke's probably seen it as well, so we don't need to worry too much, do we? Don't be nervous. Wait. All good. We're all good. Wait. Floof. Floof, yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard the term floof. There you go. You can have that one then. I mean, it's better than you being like, you're trying to keep her ninja away. <laughs> <laughs> Could see her breakfast. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. Oh, oh. Also, I said it on the watch along. So this is where Brooke's going to take Angie to the hospital appointment. And Lucas said he'd go. And he thinks it's at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Where it's actually at 7 p.m. Which also, what? <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, there's questions either way. Why would it be a 7 a.m.? Like an appointment is booked with a doctor. It's not like a, it's not A&E or, or ER. They call it ER in America, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. right. Um, but even still, 7 p.m.? P.m.? Like, both is ludicrous. But he gets there and Brooke is up, dressed, showered, and Angie's clean, wearing clothes. Like, she looks well-rested. And then Lucas is there. And it, if they've then got a transport to the hospital, let's imagine it's probably half six in the morning. Mm. What? <laughs> like, no. I, if you could see me at half six in the morning with our with our son when he was a baby... 
I would be like Peyton. I'd have my floof all over the place. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the hanging brain, baby. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> Jingle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, gosh. ludicrous, ludicrous. But yeah, and so Red Bedroom Records, mm-hmm. that's the hoodie that I have. So one of the cast and crew hoodies that I got from one of the cameramen (laughs) that I reached out to before our podcast had started uh, is that it's got Red Bedroom Records on the back and it's got that logo. Um, So, yeah, I'll show it to you at some point. But it's quite cool because it's one of those things where you only know if you know. Yeah. Like, like if, you, a, if you're really into it, you would, you would understand the reference, but... Yeah, well, if you're just walking down the street and someone saw it, they'd just think, oh, it's some sort of music thing. Yeah, record it's, company. Yeah, it's... Yeah, though it does say One Tree Hill on the arm, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's the giveaway. But yeah, uh, Haley's talking to Peyton. She's saying, you know, part of... Her subconscious always gets into her her songs, and maybe that's what happens. That's what's happened with Lucas with his book, and so Peyton just takes it upon herself to fly to New York. I'm guessing she flew there and back in the same day. It, it was just immediate, wasn't it? As well, there was no, just no fuss, just no hassle. Like, what time was she meeting Haley? Eight, eight a.m. If if we're saying Lucas was around about half six. And she was all like floof out and everything. Are we saying she had to get ready? So she's meeting Haley at eight. She gets told, you know, roughly around twenty past eight, after they've had a coffee and a bit of a chat, that you know, read the. You need to read the book because you'll understand that it's about you. You're the comet, and the scientist is Lucas, and all that nonsense. And because she's like, it's just a book. It's just a book. It's nothing to do with me. He's hung up on Lindsay. Blah blah blah. So. She then gets She's got a eyes on a different floof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um so he's he's she's got to sorry, she's got to then get to the airport. Get get a flight to begin with. So maybe just go to a do the old classic, I need a flight to New York. What's you know, what's the next flight to New York and just buy a ticket? She's got to be there at least 45 minutes before the flight, if not longer, to get through security and everything. So let's say let's say she's flying at half 12? 11. Yeah, half yeah, 11, 12. Yeah. That seems about sure. right. It's going to take two hours to get sure. to New York. Well, let's see. It's North Carolina. North what do they drive? They drive in one episode, don't they, when they're doing the cheerleading? So... Maybe it's not that Washington far. to New York. Oh, train. By train. Oh, by train, it would take an hour and 51 minutes. Okay, so a flight is going to take no time at all. But And did we know that she that she flew? Maybe no. it was just a... By uh, do, a f- do you think she drove? Well, I'm looking. A flight time is an hour and 45 Okay, so two hours is is not too far off. I was close. Drive. To drive would take two and a half hours, so she'd be better off driving, Dom. 
Okay, so she's driving. She's there at one o'clock in the afternoon. Lindsay's just finishing lunch, going back to her desk, you know, cracking on, reading through some emails, getting bits edited, pushing Lucas's book, sending sending comments, things that he, he should change, amendments, all these things, mm-hmm. you know, as well as run, running running the day-to-day. She's got other shit to, you know, to consider and think about and, and sort out. Admin makes the world go round, Dom. She's going to have to have a bit of admin, a bit of spreadsheet, fill in a bit of this, a bit of that. We exactly. all have it. We, we all know what that's like. We've all got to do it. It gets us all. So she's cracking on. She's getting on with it. And then she's interrupted by Peyton. So She probably smelt her before she got there. Well. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? This <laughs> could go to some dark places. I'm not going there. Just <laughs> She smells. We're just saying she smells. It's not related to the floof. Move on. So we've had a good five hours between... Hayley saying the book's about you, you div, to her getting to Lindsay, and Lindsay saying the book's about you, you div. Mm. And then she just then she just reappears in Wilmington. Well, she's given her the book. It's a shame, or, you know, a copy. It's a shame it's not an audio version, because she could have just listened to it on the drive back. Yeah, exactly. You can't be reading and driving. No. <laughs> so, that's... <laughs> It's not a combination, is it? No, not at all. But she, I guess she's a quick reader. I, I take that that Peyton is a quick reader. If it was about you, you'd be re- you'd be eating it up anyway, wouldn't you? <laughs> We're all egocentric. You want to know? Be uh, yeah, a page exactly. turner. Yeah. So okay, and then Nathan. Do we really need to talk much about Nathan? Anything else that we've sort of missed out with him? Oh, Mouth and Millie. Mouth's got a shot to do the sports. The the sports guy is sick, literally threw up. He ralphed or chucked, as you like to say. Let chucked. us know in the comments. Do you prefer someone has ralphed or someone has chucked? Let us know. Yeah, chucking up. Chucking up or someone just ralphed. <laughs> Like my Ralphie. Oh, my Ralph is real as well. <laughs> <laughs> it all circles back. Polo and Mouse got this. Yeah. Mouse got this opportunity. And he floofs it up at the beginning, doesn't he? Floofs it up. Lol. Fluffs it up. Um, <laughs> he but does. Then, yeah. But then Millie. Says, you know, you're you're my underdog, Marvin. You can do this. Just imagine you're talking to me, and he does a wonderful job. Mm. I thought oh, it was she, a really nice storyline. She's she's sort of coming into her own a bit as well, isn't she? I mean, she's just like in the in their apartment playing Halo on her own, abusing kids online. Um, yeah. That seems to be her her bag now. Um, and yeah, I think I think she's actually a really great character. She's just nice isn't she we, it's rare that you come across a character just a nice character that doesn't really have any flaws um yeah. you know as a, a like there's always like this undertone of being an evil character or like mouth is supposed to be not this nice character isn't he but he's got all these creepy flaws but millicent doesn't really have any of that um but i don't really i don't really i don't understand why she's the only one that doesn't call him mouth is that ever explained? 
Um, it might be, but I think it's just like she doesn't know him as Mouth. She didn't grow up with him, did she, like that? And to, I don't know, I guess it'd be like people calling 50 Cent Curtis or Eminem Marshall, I don't know, or me, Simon, when they should be referring to me as the fucking colonel. Yeah, but that's that's my point, is that she should be calling him Mouth. She wouldn't call 50 Cent Curtis. She would call him 50 Cent. So she should be calling him Mouth because everyone else calls him Mouth. Okay, well then I should have said like 50 Cent's girlfriend, girlfriend calling him is going to call him Curtis, right? Because he's not 50 to her. Like, I, don't, I think it's quite sweet is that his Marvin, oh, his it, man, it's a nice to thing. Her, I'm not, rather I'm, than the alias. Well, not complaining about it. I was just surprised because every, every other character has always called him Mouth. She's the first it, one that's kind of changed. It would be like your lady calling you Dominic rather than Dom. Yeah. Does she? No. <laughs> does, and does there, is there anyone in your family that calls you Dominic, like the whole name rather than just Dom? My dad. <laughs> Calls you Dominic. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. And maybe just one of them things, isn't it's it? N- that... It's normally when he wants something. Dominic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's a nice storyline. It's a good one. She's there. She's standing by the teleprompter, you know, next to the, the, the camera and just read the news to me like you're there's no one else you're just reading it to me you know and he does and, and it's a, it's a good moment and there's these these moments are really good and I said I think Millicent is probably the the kind of nicest there's no undertone of like shittiness with her she's genuine and yeah I like her. as a character so far I like her same and then he does a romantic thing for her where he's he tells her he loves her through the teleprompter and that's really sweet as well so not nice. nice moment. Yeah, it gets her to sort of practice on it, doesn't he? Go and have a seat and read it out. The mm. whole spilling his drink and fluffing up the first one and it all being a bit... It was... Uh, the acting wasn't great in that moment. I'm going to knock over this Ikea plastic cup and, oh, now I'm wet. You know, it was a funny line, but it was it was poorly done. Um, so, yeah. That well, if thought. you're going down that route, that, that road, <laughs> shall we move on to Brooke? <laughs> Yes, yes, please. Let's get to her. Let it out, Simon. Let it out. I know you want to. Come on. Oh, I'm worried I'm going to come under fire for all of this. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about it. What are you? What are you got to worry about? Are you being my Millie? I just talk to you as if it's just you and me in the room. It's just you and me here. Don't worry about anyone else. Just ignore them. And when the keyboard warriors come out, ignore them too. Am I your underdog? You're my underdog. I love you. You're my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <girl>. well, <laughs> well, the so One Tree Hill is a drama, a teen drama, and there are times when it can feel soapy, like a soap opera, and particularly some of Brooke's scenes particularly the one where her and Lucas are talking to the Doctor, felt really like a soap opera. And the music, 
that went with it felt really soap opera like as well like super melodramatic and obviously it is a dramatic moment they're talking about an operation on this this poor little girl's heart so it is that is very dramatic but it was the way that the lines were delivered so dr jensen or whatever his name was how do you intend to restart angie's heart and it's copeland is it copeland dr copeland how do you intend to restart angie's heart it's like you're about to see jerry tribbiani come out and his his own evil stepbrother kind of thing yeah. you know from the days of our lives like did you feel it it, it felt soap opery. i i said it at the watch along that it was stupid questions it was done yeah i didn't enjoy it at all that moment and it's like what's like brooke was having probably a reasonable reaction like and then what will happen you know, but Lucas's questions were just like, what person that isn't, you know, already a medical professional would ask those questions? No one is like, okay, what happens next? Okay. And what if this goes wrong? And then, and then what do you do? Right. And, and how does that work? Those are the sorts of questions that you would expect to, to come from it. But he's like, yeah, how exactly would you, you know, restart the heart? And how do you intend to restart the, restart the heart? Like, fuck off. Who asked that question? That makes no sense. At also, all. fuck off. You're 22. Yeah. And you stink. <laughs> you know you know the questions i ask at the beginning so obviously we haven't got our we haven't got our raven on but like i'll go for my answers really quickly but mm-hmm. for my band i picked lucas and dr copeland my, okay. our band name would be dr patient confidentiality yes and on the rider uh, i just put i'd like everyone else's medical records because nice. it's free yeah. and accessible apparently yeah um, and just nonsense and that's what makes it soapy there's no like you know oh you you need a way around this or whatever there's there's just a solution to everything and it's immediate and you get that you know um dan kind of sets it up earlier on the scene you know you can ask my surgeon if you want or whatever you can ask my specialist and then suddenly it happens like specialists would actually literally go yeah do you want to fuck off i can't give you that information even if he has said that so do one do you know what I mean? I need some sort of written yeah. confirmation or something like that. So, yeah, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It was also the music. So at the end of that scene, Lucas says, oh, and one more thing, by the way, do you know a doctor whoever? And the music goes, dun-dun-dun. <laughs> it was very like two of the ad break to the commercial break for a soap opera. But so that's one part, right? The next part is this whole storyline that feels like it's straight out of some sort of like Hallmark movie mm. of Brooke saying, okay, I'm, you know, it's you and me, Angie. Sorry. <clears throat> it's me and you, Angie. You and me against the world, baby girl. You know, in this croaky, that wasn't very good. That sounded like, um, you know, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, what's the guy's name that plays the dad in the movie Fighter? The Fighter Fighter with um, Tom Hardy and... It begins with N. Oh. No. I don't know. I've no. not seen it. You've seen Tropic it? Thunder? Yeah. The, he plays the guy with no hands in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> No. Um, 
Famous. <laughs> Famous. Cast. You're looking at, look at the fighter. Uh, fighter. The fighter, is it the fighter or just fighter? The, the UFC film. Uh, the fighter. Really good. With really Christian good. Bale as well? No. No. Just That's fighter. That's the one with Mark Wahlberg. I think it's just fighter. It's got um, Tom Hardy in. Warrior. Yes. My Warrior. bad. Don't tell me the name. Just tell me the first letter of the first. He plays the dad. <laughs> okay, let me have a look. Hold on. So, if anyone hasn't seen Warrior, it's a great movie. Have you seen it, Dom? Uh, no, I've not seen it. It, it is N, yeah. It, as the first name or the second name? Both. Two N's? Yeah. Oh, oh Nick Nolte. Yeah, there we go. There he is. <laughs> well done. Okay. It's a really, it's a good film. Does it tell you its IMDb score or anything? I bet it gets above seven. That's Let's your rule, isn't it? It must get above seven. It's not my rule. It's my girlfriend's rule. She won't watch anything that's like six point five or lower. Well, I, if it's six point five or higher, she'll she'll like watch it. There's a consideration process if it's six point five to seven. It's an eight point two. Ooh, that's not there bad. There you go. It's not bad. Not bad. That's damn good, son. I give that. I go one day never know oh it's really good it's really good nice. um but i made it i made her sound more like nick nolte after he's I mean, just smoked 60 she's not far off she's can really me, can really i hear you can off. i hear you do a croaky brook impression mm. um welcome to cloves over bros uh <laughs> angie <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, baby girl. That's really good, yeah. It's really annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, should... <coughs> right, I'm good. Yeah, just... <coughs> Let's cough that up. Spit that out. And, and, and it was it was particularly awful when Lucas was around. And she's talking to Angie and Lucas. That was particularly awful. But she was better in the boardroom until she picked up Angie. And then she was husky again. Maybe it's Angie. <laughs> she's allergic maybe she's, she's allergic yeah. to babies yeah yeah well can i tell you my problem with this right Please. so she does the boardroom thing and it's all very cute and sweet oh no, the woman you know that was like being all hard, like hard and stern in the boardrooms now been softened by this beautiful baby that she is holding and and now she's saying okay well actually the missing piece is her angie the baby Clothes over bros are going to do a baby line that babies are going to be drooling, drooling for. And it's this untapped market that's going to be incredibly lucrative and this, that and the other. Hey, Brooke, you money grabbing bitch. Why shouldn't this actually be like, and the answer is her, Angie. What we're going to do is we're going to start a clothes over bros baby line that is going to raise money and awareness for babies that need these procedures and for that need fostering, etc., etc., etc. And it's actually going to be a charity line, and all the money is going to go towards this good cause. You know, it's like a non-profit line, and it's going to be about raising awareness and this good thing that I'm doing. Not that oh, actually, I'm looking after a baby for a bit, and I've had a good idea. I'm going to make a couple million off of it. Mm. You know, like. Am I am I wrong? You're not wrong at all. And also, um, I, I think the business plan is incredibly flawed. 
um, because the the there's such a saturated market. There's so much baby clothing out there in the world, and it's ridiculous to the point where people now like just share it. People won't even go and buy it anymore. They'll just they'll, they'll just get it off Facebook, you know, marketplace, or they'll they'll like kind of it's not upcycling what's it called when you just like it's kind of like hand-me-downs to other people isn't it and just like just just share sharing clothing and you know pushing it on vintage and stuff like that rather than um you know starting this lucrative range that is just nonsense but yes if she did something that was a bit more humanitarian and the whole purpose of this range and the whole reason it exists and that she's, she's kind of come up with this idea is because she's been gifted a child temporarily, um, whilst it gets, you know, life changing surgery. So yeah, why not do something with that? You know, or like all of the profit goes to that charity. Cause obviously, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have cost. There's going to be cost involved in, yeah, in yeah. creating this line and designing and putting it together and, you know, abusing your factory workers. So once you've done that, you know, any profit that comes out of it, that goes yeah. to families, the families that are in need. Exactly. Mate. To encourage this to continue and these other babies. Yeah. You've changed the world right there. I mean, well, that's because I would, and just before I would change the world, I would just <clears throat> clear my throat, just so the message is that much clearer. I really hate the people in the boardroom, all of them, every single one of them. Tell me why. They're just really fucking annoying, aren't they? Just like nodding yes people. Like they all look at that one woman who's like obviously in charge, mm. um, and as long as she's happy, they're all like, yeah, yeah, this is great. And it's just like, have an opinion. Mm. Turn around and say it's shit if it's shit. Do you know what? Should the proceeds go to a charity? Because this child isn't yours. You've like yeah. inherited this kid somehow, dumped at an airport and give, gifted to you. And all of a sudden you're making a baby clothesline in the most ridiculously saturated market possible. I mean, mm. the fact that you think we're going to make any profits, actually donate to any charity is just bizarre and beyond me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Someone have that opinion. Someone disagree, you know. And start start with, oi, croaky, listen. <laughs> Here's a fruit, a, a, a fruit sweet. Get that down, yeah? And then we'll have a fucking conversation. Look outside. Look at that. That's a fucking kestrel. Look at the size of that. <laughs> Do you want a fag? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Why is that so funny? It is, though. I I think it's only funny to you and me. (laughs) (laughs) For people that don't know, that's Dom pretending to be a cockney saying, trying to give a cigarette to the kestrel, which is a bird of of prey. So, yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) anything else before we go into judgments? Um... Let me think. You all give it... us some predictions. You haven't predicted nothing. Give us some predictions. Predict for everyone. I want to hear. Just go through quick fire predictions where we're going. We're, we're heading towards the end of the season. Remember, there's only 18 episodes in this season. Mm-hmm. And so, what is this? Episode 16? Yeah, so we've got two left. So we've got so Watch 17. Yeah. And podcast it. And then uh, on to 18, season finale. Boom. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah, there's got to be some big things coming. One thing that did annoy me a little bit in this episode was um, Peyton explaining to 
Haley, who the new artist in the studio was, and uh, Payne explained to Brooke, sorry, who the new artist in the studio was going to be, and it was Haley, but Brooke already knew that. That was information given to her about six episodes ago. So stupid. Um, okay, back to it. Um, Dan is, uh, well, we know that he's definitely, you, you know, got six months to live. His heart's going to fail. HCM's going to get him finally. But I do genuinely think he's going to find himself on a transplant list. And he's got the money to be able to, you know, buy, harvest, take organs. So I think he's going <laughs> to, I think he's going to be okay out of it. I think, I think there's going to be, <laughs> I think there's going to be a moment of challenge and difficulty harvest. leading up to it, but he will get a new heart. I get some sort of like pig heart or something like that. Like I said before, um, He's killed before, he'll yeah, kill again. He'll fucking do it again. He's you look sort- about my size. What's your blood pressure? Bang. He's fucking ruthless. Angie needs to watch out in case he oh, takes God. hers. Um, Jesus. Like, you fix her up, Doc, and then I'm having it. Um, right. Um, I, I think... Okay, so let's move on to the to the next one. Um, oh, the Nathan? letter. The letter getting thrown in the bin by Haley, By Nathan. By Haley. So by Hayley. 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 Frozen. So deep. Thank you, so Letterway. So deep. I think she's going to get caught out. I think she's going to get caught out. I don't know whether she's going to get caught out by Jamie or whether she's going to get caught out by Dan. But either way, I think Dan is going to communicate with Jamie on some level. Like I know he's been told to like go away and stay away, but I think since oh. Oh, oh, Grandpa Dan, did you get my my letter to say thank you or something? And Dan's going to either say, yes, I did get it. And then, you know, kind of use that as ammo against Haley, or say, no, I didn't get it. And then Jamie's going to be like, I hate you. Bring back Nanny Carrie. I'd rather be kidnapped by that lunatic. So (laughs) there's got to be some element of that letter being discovered or found. It would be interesting if Jamie goes to the bin and finds it in the bin, you know, for whatever reason. So I, I think that will be found at some point. Um did you say Nathan? Nathan, I think Nathan is going to work really hard on his game uh, and try and improve. I think he is going to let Dan in and Dan is going to going to support him and help him through. Um, uh, what will be difficult is he's going to do it on that kind of guilt that Dan only has six months to live and then Dan's going to get this transplant and, and kind of be better. And then it's like, oh, we've kind of built this relationship now. But I wasn't expecting you to be here. And that's going to be a bit awkward. That's going to be like a, a point of tension maybe for him and Lucas. Uh, I mean, uh, Nathan and Lucas. So that'll be interesting. But I think Nathan is going to improve. I think he is going to get better. He's going to make Q a better player. Um, and they're going to help each other. And they're going to go off and, and do wonderful things. Q will go to, you know, a decent college on a scholarship. And Nathan will get back into a team. I don't really understand if NBA has different levels. If there's like a, a, a division below. I, I'm guessing there's there like was a, a, sorry. Yeah, there's like a G League, which is like the one beneath. Yeah, so you um, still get paid like a lot of money, but not as much as like the superstars of the NBA. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and people, the point of the G League is to try and just get drafted into the NBA. But people also play overseas and things, like and play in yeah. like Spain and, you know, other countries that, uh, that play basketball. I don't know where they are. I know that Spain basketball is popular in spain um mm-hmm. but yeah but there there are other places to make money from playing basketball but the nba is obviously the be all the goal kind of yeah. so i think he'll maybe end up in in a lower league and work his way back into <laughs> in, into playing somehow uh uh you know or he'll be important 
in basketball somehow. I think he'll get up to a, a decent level of fitness. You know, can you go back to college and play if you're of a certain age? I don't think so. I'm guessing not. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway. But remembering, I, I, he was like going to be drafted into the NBA. So like, and he had a shoe yeah. deal and everything. So it's not like he'd be, he should have the, he has connections. Like he would know people, right? And have an agent yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I guess he's, he's going to work on himself. It's going to take, I think it's going to take to a good part of season six to, to get back up to any sort of speed or fitness. So yeah, Q will come along for the ride as well. Him and Dan, like, will will grow that bond. And then, like I said, it'll be awkward when he's got his transplant and he's not dead. He's expecting him to, to go. Um, maybe he'll go and destroy his headstone as well um, and get rid of it. Then who we got? Lucas. So uh, the kind of Lucas, Peyton, Lindsay, weird triangle. I think Peyton will see in the book that Lucas is like head over heels with her. Um, it's going to take a bit of time for Lucas to see it, but he will eventually. I think Lindsay's just going to keep playing the go away card. You know, it's obvious that you love Peyton and that she's the one that inspires you with everything. And, you know, this book is about her. Please leave me alone. Or like your previous book was about her as well. So, you know, just, you need to just crack on. Um, and I think Peyton is going to keep growing her studio. Um, Haley's going to, you know, start releasing things again. Chris Keller might rock up at some point and be like, oh, hey, you, you know, making music with Haley, I, I should jump in and, you know, make you popular again. Um, but we'll see. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting to see if Chris Keller pops up again. Even You'd if want just... him back though, because you love him now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Just for just for like a one off, you know, one off or two off, that'd be that'd be decent. Um He always springs for breakfast. He does, definitely does. Um but I think Peyton's, you know, making a success out of her record label, which is great. Um she's just never made a success out of any sort of relationship. So it'd be interesting to see that dynamic and that change. So I'd quite like to see her actually say to Lucas, let's fucking sort this out. Let's just get on with it. So I think by season six, they'll be together. Uh, or in season six, they'll be together, not necessarily by season six. Um, who else is there? Who have I got left? Brooke. Malf and Millie. Well, Malf and Millie, I think, are just going to crack on. Malf's going to get the regular spot um, of presenting i think he you know did a shit job on his first one but everybody fluffs the first one that's kind of going to be the, the the line from the the station chief or whatever he is you know the the guy running the 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 new station um and then him amelia just gonna go strength to strength i think you know get their own place you know get away from the lads um and she's just gonna make him a better person hopefully unless like weird and creepy um, maybe they'll get married. Maybe marriage is on the cards for these two because she's. Uh, it's a bit of a weird thing for me to bring up, but she's still a virgin, so maybe it's a uh, only on the wedding night kind of deal. You've been bringing it all up today: flutes, <laughs> minges, virginities. You, you said minge, um, so mouth is gonna yeah work that angle, shall we say? Um, Wait, is Millie gonna be a niner? <sighs> Oh, good question. Is Malf a, a niner? I, th I think they may be... Wow, like, I was really thinking about this. I, really, I, I think maybe eighters. <laughs> I'm not sure they'll make okay. it to nine. 
Nine's maybe... only a half a season, remember? It's like 10 episodes or something. Yeah, I, I think maybe Malfoy like pop in for a couple of episodes. Does that, that makes him a niner, I suppose. I think maybe he is. But they've moved to somewhere. They've moved to like New York and he's working at a big station or something like that by that point. Like season eight, he's like big time broadcaster, that kind of thing. And they've moved okay. away and then we, we won't see Millie in that season. We'll see her like in season eight for a bit and then they bugger off. Okay. Um, who else is there? Brooke. Have I got any, Brooke. anyone else? Just Brooke. Brooke will just, yeah, make her new baby line and it will be, you know, fantastic and everyone will love it and she'll see babies wearing it and she's like, oh, I designed that. And it will be wonderful. Whatever happened to Owen? Is he coming back? Fuck's happened to that guy? I don't know. He's very famous in real life, isn't he? But I think she's going to end up inheriting Angie somehow. I think the parents are going to go, oh, well, you've had it this long. You might as well keep it. <laughs> All the parents come to America and she like moves them in somewhere so she can always see Angie. That'd be interesting. If she's like, I can get you visas. You can work in my factory for a very small wage. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to what we're saying. Hey, I've got this baby and it inspired me to make more millions. Not... (laughs) Best thing I ever did. Tiny fingers, good for stitching. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'll stitch up your heart, and then you'll stitch up some of my garments. <laughs> right? It's called Baby Brook for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as always, we will see. But with that being said, it's time to move in to our judgments. But before we do that, if Oh, it's a big if, but come on. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And how could you not? Like, seriously, if you didn't, go to the mirror, take a deep look at yourself and ask the question, what is your problem? What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Now, if you did enjoy it, then please check us out. <laughs> Support us, ravenshoops.net. Why, Dom? Because basketballs go through hoops but yeah they also go through nets ravenshoops.net we haven't had a review in like forever come Come on on. write a couple lovely things about your friends simon and dom it's not difficult tap the five stars leave some lovely words take someone else's phone do exactly the same thing and we'll love you forever what more could you possibly want nothing because once you have our love you'll finally be enough exactly you'll be whole (laughs) and we want you to feel that way so please do it now do it for yourself as well (laughs) (laughs) why is he's gone what tickled Uh, you there it's just funny just you're funny (laughs) you're a funny guy funny how i'm a clown Good feathers. I made you watch it for the first ever unreleased episode of our podcast. Should we release it at some point? Need it's to so re-listen long. to it. It's so long. I but think yeah. we made it boring as well. Like we were too scared <laughs> to just be ourselves. It was like this scene, this happened. Interesting. Yeah. In this scene, that <laughs> happened. Oh, okay. And then in this scene, this happened. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe. Dom, 
Who was your favourite performer of this episode? Someone I haven't picked for a while, actually, but I picked James Lafferty. I thought he did a, a decent job. Handles Dan, has a bit of an argument with Dan. Uh, handling Q, the kind of sentimental moments with Haley and Jamie, um, the moments in the gym and stuff. I thought I thought he did a really good job. So yeah, he stood out to me today. So James Lafferty. What about you, Simon? Mine is going to go to our personal friend, Paul Johansson. Ooh. I just, I mean, oh, his his scene at the end, he smashes the mirror and everything. Uh, he's just, and he dodged the basketball earlier in the episode. I don't know. I just, it's hard to not pick him. Like, <laughs> I think he is probably the most talented act, like actor in the yeah, cast. I, I do think that James is better when he's in scenes with him mm. as well. Uh, and so that's it. It does make it seems to make James step his game up as well, which is good. Uh, would you? Would you? Do you? Would you agree that Paul Johansson maybe as an actor is maybe the best actor in the cast? Yes, I would agree. Who would? Who would you say would be some close seconds, or is there anyone close, or would you say it's him um, cemented, and then others? He's. Up- Bethany Joy Lens is good. Yeah, he's pretty firmly number one. I think Moira Kelly, very good oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and James has improved massively from season one to now. Um, and yeah, Bethany Joy Lens as well is, is is very very good. So yeah, I think Hilary Burton's pretty good as well. So yeah, she is good. She get and yeah. she gets like some of the hardest storylines and emotions i i her performance when she comes in and she f- has found her mum passed away and drops the oh, cds yeah. like that's like haunting yeah of the performance it's brilliant very good very good very good well, what about your favorite character i picked nathan very much for the same like the reasons i've mentioned already just the the scenes with dan the scenes with q um just wanting things to get better and just trying to improve himself but you know finding dan's situation difficult um and kind of throwing it in his face and stuff so yeah nathan definitely and yourself i'm gonna go with q because he he apologized to skills he's uh he feels like he's turned a corner like we said and He's inspired Nathan, he's motivating Nathan to come back, but he's done it off of wanting to make Jamie happy as well, which I thought was a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. What about your favourite background performer? What dog? One line or less. <laughs> uh, I thought, um, I hated everyone in the boardroom, but there's a lot of options there. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually went for the guy behind the camera where the teleprompter was, who kind of like sort of looking a bit confused because Malf is screwing it up so much. But yeah, he was just consistent. He was there when Millie turns up as well. So yeah, that guy. Uh, what about you? Nice. When the Ravens are sat on the bleachers and Lucas is explaining that they're going to be running this play of, you know, shooting all threes. And then one guy says, but who's going to give us the ball? <laughs> and then Q comes round and he's like, it's me or I am or whatever he says. I'm going to pick that guy. He had one line. He took his shot, said it. We may never see him again. Perfect. Good choice. 
What about your favourite line of this episode? Now, I actually picked a, a, a line I hated because it was so ridiculous it needs to go down in, in infamy as my favourite line. So I predict... Uh, I, I predict I picked Lucas's ridiculously stupid line, which was, how do you intend to restart Angie's heart? So, yeah, that one. Stu- what a stupid line, but I picked it as my favourite. What about you? <laughs> and you met that man that said that line. I did. You did too. Uh, my favourite line was from Millie, where she said, you're my underdog, Mar- Marvin, which... Uh, I like, I really like that line. I don't even necessarily know how to explain it, but it just feels like, I don't know, I think it's, we've all felt like an underdog at some point in our lives, um, some more than others, you know, and it's that feeling of having someone believe in you and that they're on your side and you're their underdog, but they know that you, you can do it. It's just that belief and that's what carried him through. So I thought it was a really nice moment. Beautiful moment. Good. And good, your favourite line. Yeah. Your favourite song? Uh, there's a song called My Love in Blue by Tom Hansen, which is played kind of in the middle of the episode. Um, I think it's just on the back of the boardroom bit. So, yeah, that's the song I picked. Did you have a song? I liked the song by our boy Gavin. DeGraw? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice there was one in there. There was a Gavin DeGraw song on there, yeah. Oh, was there? Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, I know that, I know that voice, Gav. I know that, I know that guy. It was Big Gav. <laughs> big, Big Gav. <laughs> Got a big mouth, like yeah. physically, like a mouth big, son. Huge. Um, but last but not least, not least, last but not least, <laughs> least is the precious. 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 Rating. Rating. Dom, did you have a number before we started this conversation? I did. Did it increase, decrease, or stay the same throughout the duration of this conversation? It has stayed the same. And Simon, did you have a number in mind? For this episode. Yes. Did it increase, decrease, or stay the same throughout our conversation? I'm deliberating whether to take it down by one. Ooh. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it where it's at. Okay. Because I enjoyed some of the basketball elements. <laughs> it's like two minutes of basketball in a forty-minute episode, but okay. Don't start. Don't start with me. No, no, don't no. Start. Okay, no. We're not there yet. I can revoke your haircut permission. Oh shit! I can revoke. <laughs> I've given Dom permission to get his haircut on Wednesday, but it could be cancelled. I'll speak to Ross myself if I have to. <laughs> Imagine that. Sorry, Ross. No, no, Dom can't. He can't come. What do you mean? No. You don't understand. I'm his colonel. No, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions, Ross. (laughs) Call me colonel now. (laughs) It'll be, if Dom turns up, turn him away. That's what you would do, isn't it? Or you go to turn up and I'm stood there. (laughs) No, it's not happening. 
Well, you could ask for my appointment time. There's no confidentiality agreement there, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find out your heart transplants information and all of that stuff. Okay. Right, let's get let's get to this number. Let's get it. Ready? After three. Ready. One, two, three, seven. Six. Ooh. Well, I was gonna go six. So for clarity, in case it didn't come through, Dom went six, I went seven. I was gonna go six, but then I thought oh, there's actually besides Brooke, I enjoyed every every other storyline. It was just her story and I didn't not enjoy the storyline. Like the storyline's good. I just don't enjoy those scenes just feel so soapy. Mm. Um but I still en- I still enjoy it. It's just Brooke has not been good this season. And and also I think that you knowing that they you know where Mary got divorced in real life and everything I just feel like oh it's so uncomfortable why are you writing them together like you would think as a good grace to the actors you would just write them in separate storylines and just keep them there like it doesn't really matter to us as viewers does it like we're not aching to see Brooke and Lucas together so just give them the grace of putting them in different storylines and make it more comfortable for them I don't know, but I, I feel like this was seven worthy. What is? Will you come up to a seven? I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I can. It's just I I appreciate the the basketball comment and there's more basketball because you know we we get to see them training and stuff and you know Nathan and Q giving it a go and and there's definitely more elements of that and I did like the interactions between um, you know Nathan and Dan. I thought they were particularly good. Peyton was okay. Um, Lindsay and her short scene was okay, but the rest of them were a bit forgettable, to be honest. Um, so I'm not sure it's worth, like really worthy of a seven just for like four performers, and two of them weren't even in it for that long. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I could. Would you be willing to to drop to a six to to kind of make it level and have that agreement you know there's there's elements of it you hate or didn't like especially you know hate's a strong word it's a strong word lucas isn't a particularly good coach or the the stupid soapy questions just all of brooke's scenes i think that's enough in my head to just keep it as a six i think six is quite generous i'll come down to a six if you do the impression that I like from the Titanic. Is it? Is anyone alive out there? Is that? Yes, the... it's my favourite. The way that you do it, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm in, I'm in character. I'm feeling. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Is anyone alive out there? <laughs> why do I? Why do I find it so funny? It's... I. I... I have no idea, my friend. No idea. <laughs> it's the way that you hold on to the... Is anyone alive out there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We'll call it a six. Thank you, my friend. We'll call well it done. a six. We'll call it a six. But now, yes. to lead us out, what will you do it in? Do I get to choose? Yeah. It has to be you. I'm not going to pick for myself. 
well then in promotion for our next podcast that Dom and I will be recording together on Wednesday. We'll be recording The Family Man, the Christmas movie from the year 2000. We've done the watch along already, so you can catch the entire video. So the entire movie and us watching it is on our Patreon, ravenshoops.net. So you can watch that ahead of our podcast recording. But in promotion for that, I would like to hear you, Dom, do our Ravens outro as Nicolas Cage oh do you, I need a point of reference what's a good point of reference to be a bit more cagey which Nicolas Cage do you want to be are you going to be like face off Nicolas Cage uh like because that's I, I like, don't mind you know I want to take his face off you know that Nicholas I mean, Cage or you Cameron Poe like, is kind of like the easiest one to do because it's like put the Barney back in the box Mm-hmm. So it's a bit more like put the Barney back in the box. Is that is that does that work? Yeah, but that's not the cage I want. What's I, the cage? What's the cage you want? I guess I want the Family Man cage. Which yeah. F's favorite line? She watched it with us. And he's like running around. They're playing, and he just comes out and just goes and ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch it before our recording. Will you end up rewatching it before the recording? Uh, I'll definitely try to. That means you, no. No, 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 I'll definitely try to. Let me watch a little... Let me see if I can get a little video clip. Oh, from Family Man. Yeah, I'll play the trailer. He so you can't hear it. Reference. It's in my head. We can't hear it. He's listening to Cage right now. I keep talking, otherwise there's just silence. Kate, she was my girlfriend in college. Kate Reynolds, she was my girlfriend in college. Kate Reynolds, she was my girlfriend in college. Shall I keep this going, Simon? That's good. Kate Kate Reynolds, she was my girlfriend in college. (laughs) Yee! Here we go. Kate Reynolds, are you ready? She was my girlfriend in college. And we're going to do Ravens on three, Simon. Because you know why? Because Kate Reynolds was my girlfriend in college. So, one, two, surprise, three. (laughs) Ravens. Ravens. The surprise was perfect. (laughs) Oh, that's great.